Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. I'm finishing with the subject of the blood. And you'd think that, you know, this is the penultimate, this is the last um, of, in the six-part series. This discussion on the blood should really be its own series. Um, but we're going to have communion together, and I felt that was really important for us to participate in this covenant. So we're going to all do it together, which I think is uh, more important than the discussion of it, is the doing it and the living of it. So let's um, have a look at this. Like I said, I don't have a lot of time, but if we could just step back for one second, look at the big picture of covenant. What is covenant? What does covenant mean? Covenant, very simply, is an agreement between two parties. It's an agreement. Uh, Probably a more solemn agreement or a more serious agreement, but at its very heart, what a covenant is, it's not just a fancy word, it's an agreement, a solemn agreement between two parties. And very often in Old Testament times or ancient times, a covenant was uh, made more solemn, if you like, or was more serious when there was a blood, we call it a blood covenant, or in uh, Aussie parlance, we sometimes say blood oath. Well, blood oath is really just a blood covenant. It's like something that's really serious and we're going to seal the deal with some blood. I know that sounds kind of weird. We don't do it in our common sort of uh, modern days, but in those days, a way of um, sealing a deal was to the use of blood. And so if we look back, and I'm just going to do a bit of a recap of some of the, the significant uh, covenants that happened in the Old Testament. And the one that really stands out to me is God's covenant with Abraham. So Abraham was an Old Testament figure. And um, Abraham had this encounter with God. It was quite an incredible one really because Abraham was just living his life. He was just going about his business and God actually appears to Abraham. God approaches Abraham and says to him, I want to make a covenant with you. God chooses him out of all the people he could choose and he says to Abraham, no, you're the one. I'm going to have a covenant with you. And so what he says to him, this is how we're going to ratify it. We're going to make a blood covenant together. And so he, he tells Abraham to get a variety of different animals. I want you to cut them in half. I know it just sounds so unusual, so weird. Cut them in half and spread them out. And then we're going to walk between the animals. Now that, again, sounds so unusual and so weird. But to an ancient person, that, w that was a way of ratifying an agreement, ratifying a covenant. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these animals together as a way of saying, let it be unto me, if I break the covenant, I'm going to be like these broken animals. So we're going to walk through the covenant together. So both of us remember that day that we did that weird thing where we walked between the dead animals. That's to remind ourselves that this is a solemn covenant. We need to keep it. We need to keep it. However, plot twist, this is what happens. Abraham does, gets the animals ready, and as sunset approaches, it says that Abraham fell asleep. It says, a thick uh, and terrible darkness came over Abraham. And so the Lord appears. The Lord appears as a smoking, pot, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch, and the Lord passes between the pieces. That's so fascinating to me. 
These are the two things that I want you to, to take away from this covenant that God has with Abraham. God appears to Abraham and says to Abraham, step outside your tent for a second. Let's have a look at the stars. And because there was no street lights and no cities nearby, they could see the Milky Way in all of its glory. They could see all the stars. And God says to Abraham, I know that you'd have no kids at the moment, but I want to tell you that your descendants are going to be like those stars. Count them if you, if you can. Like you're never going to be able to imagine how many descendants you're going to have. God says that to Abraham. Also in that encounter, the person walking between the animals was not Abraham. Abraham had fallen asleep. Abraham was not participating deliberately, I believe, because God is saying to him, I'm calling you, this is my idea, and I'm going to be the one who, who carries this thing. I'm going to be the one who carries it from beginning to end. It's my idea. I'm going to bless you. All you have to do is be Abraham. All you have to do is... <laughs> even if you fall asleep, it doesn't matter whether you're good, whether you're bad. It's got no bearing on my covenant with you. And I'm going to make this happen for you. That to me is a real father move. That's a good father move. Because if, you, if you're a parent yourself, you know you do anything for your kids. And whether they're rat bags or not, you still can't help yourself because you want to bless them. You want them to have the best. And that's exactly what God the Father was like with Abraham. doesn't matter if you make mistakes, take wrong turns, do detours. I mean, if we go into the life of Abraham, we know that happens. Abraham's not squeaky clean. He does a bunch of things which you wonder, you scratch your head about. And yet, God's covenant with Abraham, it says it was an eternal covenant. An eternal covenant. Okay, so that's God and Abraham. Let's move forward to Moses. Moses' encounter with God is another really important one for us to look at. And again, it's a blood covenant. It's a blood covenant. In this instance, Moses is a representative of the nation of Israel. So Moses is helping lead these Israelites through the wilderness to the promised land. In the middle of that, somewhere along the line, God takes Moses up to the Mount, Mount Sinai and he has this encounter with him. God speaks to Moses and he gives him the law. You know, the stone tablets. He comes back down with the stone tablets written about the law. And Matt, in, in the early part of this series, he describes the law in a, in a lot more detail, how important the law is. God's like saying, if you uphold all of these things, that way... We can have an agreement together. And it involves a blood sacrifice. And there are a variety of blood sacrifices that are made in order to uphold the law. In fact, the book of Hebrews, which is a really good way of understanding what the law is about, in Hebrews 9 verse 22 says this, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness so on the day of atonement the high priest had to walk into the holy of holies and he needed to sprinkle the blood of an animal an unblemished lamb on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people and that was something that needed to be repeated year after year after year there were these ongoing sacrifices that were made to atone for the blood of the people that was a way of saying the sprinkling of the blood is enough to atone for the sin so that we can have this agreement together. We can have this covenant together. And as Matt 
so eloquently brought out a few weeks ago, the law, unfortunately, only highlighted our sin. It highlighted the impossibility of us keeping up with God's requirements for holiness. The people, unfortunately, were not able to abide by the law because it was almost too hard. Even with the blood, it was too hard. I want you to understand, we're just going to take a side step for one second. I want you to understand the nature of God the Father for one second. If we can zoom out of all of history, all of human history, zoom out, we're like in the, in the universe watching God relate to mankind, womankind, peoplekind. The heart of God is this. He wants to have a relationship with humanity. That's his desire. More than anything else, he's created this incredible universe, but he wants to have relationship with us, with you and me. That's, that's the beating heart of God. If you look at the, the core of the heart of God, it's desire for relationship. God didn't create all of the universe and step back and go, well, get on with it, guys. See, see what you can do. He, wasn't, he doesn't look down upon humanity and kind of tolerate them. That's not the, that's not the reason that w- why God created us. The reason he created us was to have this heart-to-heart. It just sounds so strange, but he wants relationship with you and me. He wants relationship with humanity. And if we can carry that, we can begin to understand why some of these covenants were instated throughout history. So God created the law. We weren't, the Israelites were not able to uphold the law. In fact, the law kind of highlight, highlighted everybody's sin and their inability to fulfill the law. So a new covenant was required. A new and better, uh, a new and better covenant was required so that God could have relationship. And let's read about it in Hebrews chapter 8. What is this new covenant all about? How does he get a heart relationship? How does he achieve a heart relationship with the people that he wants? This is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 to 12, which is actually also word for word, uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. So this is Jeremiah prophesying into the future. And this is Hebrews chapter 8, the writer of Hebrews saying, this is what it is. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. The language there is all about God wanting relationship on a heart-to-heart level. Not just like, I don't want you to be a sinner. That's not really the heart of it. The heart of it, no, is more like, oh, let's have a, have a relationship. Let's have a friendship. Isn't that interesting? Um, where am I? I've lost my, lost my place for one second. So enter, I guess what we need to ratify a new covenant is a blood sacrifice. It's the only way that can be ratified. What's the, where's the blood sacrifice? And we know that Jesus Christ, his shed blood was a representation of an atonement for our sin. I want you to read now 
together from Hebrews 9 verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, not part of this creation. If we can just pause for one second. Sometimes we sort of think that Jesus is a follow-on. His sacrifice is a follow-on from the tabernacle that occurred in the Old Testament. However, what the writer of Hebrews is actually saying that the Old Testament covenant, the Old Testament tabernacle is actually a shadow of something that's bigger, something that's more real, that's actually in heaven. Not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So Jesus' blood, he sacrificed himself. It was God's idea in the first place so that we could be completely free. And it was a sacrifice that occurred not many times, not over and over and over, but once and for all so that we can be free. So what we're going to do is we're going to participate in this covenant today.